Welcome to the Soulful Sound Podcast. This podcast is about celebrating the leaders, teachers, and coaches who guide fellow humans to connect, heal, and discover themselves so they can express their gifts into the world. I am Simone Niles, a coach, sound healer, vocalist, and author. Thank you for being here with me today. Welcome, everyone, to a beautiful episode on the Soulful Sound podcast, where I'm joined by the beautiful Tatiana Sanakovich, who supports leaders and organizations in finding mindful tools to navigate their personal and professional challenges and changes in a conscious and joyful way. Welcome, Tatiana. <laughs> Thank you, Simone. It's a, such a pleasure um, yeah, to join you here. Yeah, we've been meaning to do this for some time now. I know these are the kind of conversations that we have all the time anyway. And this is what I love about the podcast. It's just inviting guests to witness the conversations I love having with people in my life all the time. So thank you so much for being here with us today. Now they get to drop in on our conversations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I always kind of like to top and tail my podcasts with the first question is just about your personal story. What is it that kind of brought you into the work that you're doing now? Mm. Thank you. Um, my personal story um, started actually as um, I think about ninth or 10th grade. And I remember coming out. So um, English is my second language, but I loved learning the language. And I remember coming out of actually my tutor's um, class and realizing I wanted to be an interpreter to mm. help people of different cultures find something in common and understand each other and just kind of see each other better. Yeah. And so through my life, what I realize now is I am interpreting. Sometimes it's the same language, but I am interpreting people's experiences. Um, you know, I'm interpreting what might be, you know, the manager is not able to deliver to the employees and vice versa. So there's different ways that I've noticed that I've interpreted in throughout my life. So fast forward, I got into human resources. Um, that's the bulk of my career. And then as I became human resources director, for me, culture and particular communication and how things land and how to support employees and uh, leadership, how that's not us versus them, but how do we find a bridge for people to hear each other and be, again, more conscious of how we communicate, how that lands for people, what do people need? And so that's yeah. kind of the journey, the bulk of it. And then um, recently in a couple of last years, I went on my own into um, more like HR advisory consulting and leadership coaching. That's and that, and that piece for me, the leadership piece always stood like, where's the biggest impact in the organizations? And from my experience and standpoint is that, you know, the high higher up you're in an organization, the more people you affect, whether you are aware of it in it or not. And yes. we spend a lot of times at work, whether we work yes. for ourselves or a majority of us work for companies, it's how does it affect our life? So to me, that quality always uh, mattered and made a big difference. And so that's why I went particularly to work with the leaders yes. is to support them, how they show up for themselves Mm -hmm. And every day in their life and work, and therefore their awareness, how that affects everybody that works with them, for them, and everywhere around them. So that's, I think, would be probably the the piece that kind of gets me where I'm at now. 
that's wonderful. And I, I completely relate. I mean, one of the past iterations of my my work a very long time ago was helping um, entrepreneurs, well, employees transition to entrepreneurs. And one of the things that I loved about that was understanding that one ripple effect that you create. Yep. So you're talking about if you as a unique individual, the inside out approach, right? Work exactly. within within yourself and you find that stability, that grounding, that joy, that whatever words um, and the awareness as you've used, mm-hmm. then you're able to then positively in, impact the rest. That ripple ripple effect is huge. Um, and I know with leaders, uh, you know, it's it is my I want to say uh not necessarily mission because it's I'm not working specifically with leaders all the time in my field, but I understand those in places of influence and authority really do have a responsibility Absolutely. to create that and hold that space for their organizations and no matter where they are in, in, in that corporate setting or entrepreneur setting or things like that. Do you feel called to use your voice and sound in a healing capacity? Learn how to use your voice therapeutically to facilitate healing and well-being. Whether you want to go deeper in your own healing journey or facilitate others in theirs, this training is for you. This online training runs over five weekends and offers theory, practice, resources, and support on your path to becoming a qualified sound healer and for your personal healing journey. I completely, that really resonates with me, that sense of responsibility and accountability. It's like, as you get into organizations, a lot of times leaders, as they progress, they're like, well, but I, you know, it's like, it's too much of this or too much responsibility. It's like, this is where you are in the organization and you, this with choice you made that yes. comes with accountability and a sense of responsibility for others. And yes. so for me, that's the growth and the stretch mm-hmm. that uh, some people are more willing uh, and some people uh, sometimes just kind of find themselves in the spaces and be like, I don't know what to do now. And so that's mm-hmm. sometimes the work um, I think where you and I, it's like the work I do, but also like as you work with the way people speak and the voice and how they articulate themselves or how they're able to yeah. present or or have the courage. It's like, yeah. again, as leaders, yes, there's responsibility, but the courage muscle gets, gets to be stretched a lot more. For sure. Uh, as you're always on the spot, people are always paying attention to what you're doing and saying, whether you you think it or not, you know, whether you pay yeah. attention. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I love that you spoke about your personal story where now in your work, you speak about this conscious, um, conscious being conscious, the mindfulness piece, the awareness. And you also talk about joy, which I definitely want to get into in a moment. But mm. I love how you weaved in your personal story to say now within your awareness and insights, you can say in the past, in, you know, looking at studying and interpreting, I can now take that and bring it across to help people interpret their inner landscape, if you like, in order to create that outward reflection that is uplifting and helping them to thrive. So Talk to me about joy. What is joy for you? Because I love that you bring joy into your work. It's such a huge word, work, word for me. What's joy and how do you help people access it? I think for me, joy is, is just, the to me, is the essence of life, is mm-hmm. that life force that helps me at least um, 
enjoy life and pay attention to it and kind of notice small moments and and pull things but it's also the energy so it's like the foundation for all of us it's another piece i work with is that energy do we know where we gain energy and where it leaks you know how do we pay attention to that so for me that joyous state on one hand it's my more of my normal kind of my my norm state however if I pay more attention and bring more of that into my life, it really reverberates for everybody around me. That's been brought up to my attention to just from the energy exchange level of whatever then I bring out or speak about, it comes from a place of just that living and loving life, which that's, mm-hmm. I think, the quality that I really, that it it really, it's sure there's some natural pieces, but there's really, it's the harnessing of it and nurturing it and developing it. It doesn't, it, you know, it, there's ways and practices to me that to kind of accentuate it in our lives. Yeah. But everything is brighter to me. It's like, things are just brighter. Yes. Yeah. When there's that sense of joy. Yeah. And and how do we access it? How do you teach people to, I don't know, follow the nuggets of joy? Like what's some of the practices that you enjoy or share with clients? You know, I always start, uh, first of all, if a person is even interested in, in like, because a lot of times what happens, particularly with leaders, we get to that stage and level by being very serious. You know, mm-hmm. and very like I it's like these are the things I did in my life by being serious about so many things. And now I'm a leader and I definitely got to be serious now because people are looking up at me and right. I have to be a certain way. And so we really forget that sense of wonder and awe and that playfulness that we had a long time ago, but we all had it. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times the first question I ask is find a moment way somewhere in your life but way back like what is it particularly I go back to childhood it's like what is it that where you got lost in your childhood whether you played or did or and everybody's really different somebody would be totally lost in books somebody mm-hmm. would be totally lost in playing you know sports somebody would be lost in watching the nature but every single client every single human asked that question they all have that memory but we don't pause to think about it and it's like oh this is one this is what I did when I was young and little this Mm -hmm. is not whether you know our stigmas or society or whatever our own critic that is not what's appropriate for me to do now however Mm -hmm. that's not the case Mm -hmm. because that is still us we just kind of compartmentalize things and so Mm -hmm. bringing that back to them to be like and as the, and then you know that as people start speaking, they're remembering that memory and they're just like, there's a totally different sense in them. So yeah. in that moment, I go, remember how, like, what, this is what you're feeling right now. And this is what I'm observing you because, you know, as we work a lot on Zoom, it's like your face is this, your, you know, your tone is this, like I will pull it out for them. And I go, that's the piece that can still be carried through. Mm-hmm. And like, what are the things now as an adult that you could do that are might be the same or similar that yes. that evoke that state because yes. we you know we we create we think we feel from the internal state out so yeah. however and it's kind of a cycle we repeat 
And so it's like whatever state we're thinking from and therefore then making a decision, we just repeat that cycle. So if we can shift it just a little bit from come from that state of that wonder and enjoyment and playfulness, and we didn't have any worries and responsibilities and concerns and just drop that for a moment to find that sense, then it's, it really translates directly yeah. to us. It's just, we just really put it, we just put it on the shelf really far away. So that's yeah. one of the ways I do it. Yeah. I, I love that. It's a, it's a great question. And I think like, like you, I've, I mean, joy for me is interesting. I've worked with it consciously for a very long time. And I've often said that joy is part of my inner navigation, especially in my work life. I've always felt that if there was joy, then mm-hmm. there was something there was something there for me. And when yeah. the joy left, I did one of two things. I tried to invite it back into the, the space by space. reframing, shifting perspective, mm-hmm. looking at different ways. But if it just wasn't present, I just knew it was time to pivot. It was time to move towards something else Shift. more yeah. joyous. Um, but I know the impact that living from that joy that that has certainly in my life. But then when I go with go home to my children or mm-hmm. my my partners and whoever is in my life, when I come home from a joyous day or leave the, the home office coming into yeah. the space. What a difference that makes, right? And I think that if that's something that you are infusing in Mm -hmm. leaders, then that's going to really beautifully ripple out into creating moments of joy. But I love that you also brought play into that because a lot of the time, certain contexts we do frame um, based on whether it's stereotype, we generalize, we think this is the way a leader needs to be. What's appropriate, what's not appropriate, says who? Yes. But what I love, and I know we have quite a few crossovers, Tatiana, in our work, but what I love is that you speak about the authenticity piece as well. So I'd love to kind of shift into that because I think behind that facade of serious, this is how I need to be in this moment, um, where we allow the joy to come forth, where we sit in that awareness and bring consciousness to our being so that we create consciously, um, there is a level of authenticity that yeah. needs to be present. Could you speak more to that? And let's just talk about authenticity and what that is for you. I think as you bring up the level of authenticity, it's that coming back to really getting to know ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think at some point, I can speak for me and my experience, there's definitely been facades or personas or all kinds of hats, masks, you call it, that I wore. And at some point, I really clearly remember years ago, Actually, a therapist of mine said, you compartmentalize things really well. And I was really <laughs> proud of it. I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> I, feel I couldn't anymore, right? And so I also remember the moment when all of those compartments kind of, you know, like all the doors open at the same time. And so it's coming back to that under, like really understanding and getting to know ourselves yeah. is that I think it's just like that playfulness and that part of when we're young we there's some stuff is lost in between that time and when we're serious leaders and by the way yes there's a lot of responsibility but that the essence of just the care for people and also like what are you bringing into this world no matter what work you're doing that how much it matters to you like does it matter and what's behind it for you so i think authenticity for me is that almost at every step of the way it's 
aligning with knowing your values, first of all, like what are the fundamental, your personal values? Because mm-hmm. no matter where you work and what work you do, if those don't align on yeah. it, even just the basic level, mm-hmm. it will be totally non, non incongruence. And just like you're saying, it would, you will, you will whether decide to shift or you will be shifted. You know what I mean? Or the universe kind of shifts you out of it. Um, <laughs> So for me, it's that coming back to understanding yourself, but really what matters to you and what values you hold. And that some of them might change depending on the phases of your life. Yes, of but course. Understanding that. And then also coming back to, uh, and I'm coming more to that now with my clients, I'm noticing is just asking sometimes, why am I doing this? What's behind it? What's mm-hmm. behind a decision I'm making? Why does it matter to me? Just bringing that the joy sometimes can be this bubbly, you know, extroverted kind of feeling, but sometimes it's just quiet content to me mm-hmm. where you have that fire behind it to be like, I am doing something because it really matters to me or these people matter to me or something mm-hmm. that's just like you're talking about mission. Uh, there's a mission that you are driving at that moment that really mm-hmm. lights you up. And yeah. so authenticity is just checking with yourself is this mine or is it somebody else's right is this mine and if it is somebody else's it's back to that awareness is Mm -hmm. having that awareness and seeing if you can find if it's somebody else's I mean I've done it as an HR director it's like I'm always that was my one of my sticking points is that I realized I'm always building somebody else's culture because it's somebody Mm -hmm. else's always kind of there was always a boss right um but can I find something that aligns with my values in yes. that direction or something? And as long as it aligned, it works great. But the minute it didn't align, I was like, just like you said, I got to pivot. Yes. <laughs> so that's the part is, uh, and in, in all of this, I think what I want to bring up is the, the spaciousness and pausing mm-hmm. is we move so fast. And a lot of times we just move sometimes for the sake of moving or from a default state, we're just doing. And I think that authenticity and is creating the space to pause and ask, okay, what, where am I in this? You know, what is it that matters to me? Um, And then making decisions or agreeing or disagreeing, it doesn't matter, but you're, we're coming from a very different space. Yeah. Um, than if we're just running as we were running. Yeah. Yeah. I think the pause is really powerful. I, I often talk about authenticity in my work and in my life as uh, a dance kind of between the inner, your inner universe and the outer world. It's mm-hmm. almost like you're going in, in and out of a revolving door, that process of checking in and then reflecting out and then checking in and reflecting out. Because I think the reflection, especially because we are in a place of other, you know, having others around us where we can go something in this, as you said, this isn't mine or this isn't me or hang on, why am I trying to, to shape myself exactly. in, into that? You know, so that continuous in and out, pause, check in, out, pause, check out. I love the revolving door. It's so like yeah. visually, it really is. It's like, well, yeah. which, which side of the door at the moment you're in and what, yeah. and what do you need? You know what I mean? At that time as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and those values are important. And I, and I honestly feel, and I would say, I really noticed this so deeply, especially when I reflected that 
authenticity is what most people, if not all people yearn for, Mm -hmm. even if they don't practice it, even if they don't quite know it. I honestly believe that that's what the soul yearns for, for that authentic connection with, with yourself and others. And And it's not, it's not an easy quest for a lot of us, of course. And I think we're all always on that journey and process of going a bit deeper into that self-awareness. But I also think that the pause, as you've mentioned, is such a key practice in that. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm imagining, and I've, you know, is I've had a session with you, but that's one of the way you support the work is that coming back to that authentic voice and like really kind of like kind of sometimes excavating it right or supporting it to to come up and then being able to vocalize it in some ways you know articulate it um yeah is that yeah yeah I mean for me the voice is I I call it the original instrument and Mm. I think a lot of a lot of what I do is just enable people to learn how to play it well and 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 in order to do that, it just takes you um, playing, like, you know, practicing. You, you talk about play, play. It's, uh, just allow it to come out. There's no judgment. There's no right way to do it. There's just play and allow things to come up and notice. And yeah. then with, with the noticing, there's information. And mm-hmm. then you can look at the information and start to go a bit deeper in that. Building a healthy relationship with your voice, I often like to personify it. You know, if you think that you're building a healthy relationship with anyone, you've got your partner, your best friend, whatever. You're like, you know what? I want to be able to rely on this person and I want them to be able to rely on me. I I really want to have go out and have fun with them. You know, and then there are times that you just have to have those deep conversations between you. And for me, the voice is very much that it is something that uh, for me, building a healthy relationship is about the play. It's about having those um, moments where you feel I can really rely on you. And you know what? You can rely on me. That's a, it's a beautiful, I mean, I've never thought of the voice of the part of that, that very uh, kind of symbiotic or like revolving door also relationship in terms of the, because I think for me used to, until this conversation, we'd be like, yeah, I can, I can rely on my voice to carry whatever message. Mm. Uh, just, yeah, just to carry something out. But it, the the part, the back, you can rely on me is is actually, yeah, it's definitely interesting insight. Thank you. Yeah, yeah of course. And, and when I say that from a very practical perspective is if you want your voice to show up for you, you need to care for it and you need to have reverence for it because it's a sacred tool that we have access to. And that could be simply knowing um, how to prepare your voice. Like if you're going to go on stage, you're not going to wake up, get out of bed and not use your voice and then speak for half an hour. For example, you'll do a few gentle sounds to get your voice ready. Mm. If you are going to have a really hard talk with someone, you might start having that inner dialogue with yourself. I think most of the time we tend to do that, um, especially when which was my story. I was afraid of confrontation for a very long time. Mm. I felt like really like I I have so much that I want to share, but it's not the, the, the voice isn't actually expressing what the inner voice is expressing. There was was some dissonance. There was some inner conflict there because of the afraid of the fear of confrontation. But as I started to play, which for me was the context of singing and just being free and really connecting with my sound, I realized that 
the relationship um, became stronger and I thought I can rely on my voice. So what is that that um, avenue between the inner dialogue, again, Mm -hmm. that inner universe, outer world, revolving door. And the more I brought the courage piece in and the improvisation piece in, which is what, you know what, I'm just going to say whatever and see what happens. The more I was able to do that, pause, notice, gather the information, tweak, refine, and go for it again. And that practice became stepping into this vocal power, my personal power, being able to then express that. And I mean, you know, because we speak about, you speak about this unique mm-hmm. voice as well in your work, how powerful it is to have that connection to your sound, your voice, um, in how you express yourself. But, and I think as, absolutely. And I think as you're speaking about this whole play and practice, Mm-hmm. That comes up a lot with working with leaders or, you know, working with anybody where people just get really tight and be like, oh, well, I just want to get it right. And it's like, just start practicing, just start yes. playing. And it's that, you know, the perfectionist and all kinds of things that pop up that sure, it, it's great to work with as well, because that then it's like, OK, let's work with that piece. But at the end of the day, we're all human. We're mm-hmm. all practicing. Uh, we're all trying, you know, like kind of, and I, I also really believe that people innately are trying to do their best. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just having, just like you're talking about the voice as a tool is just having the tools, um, yeah. but also that willingness, you know, because be, without the willingness and the desire to do different or to change something or to learn something, there isn't shifting or there isn't any change. Uh, it's like I'm not pulling anybody like there's no you know there's no point but as long as there's uh, the desire and the willingness and that openness yeah. Um, then yeah mir- I mean it's be- like lots of beautiful things happen and a lot of like learning happens when we do yeah. or say something in particular as a leader and then it's like that didn't go well it's a like, great that's learned yeah. that's a learned experience you can exactly. definitely you can try something different you know what I mean and you can fix that yeah yeah and I think, you know, I, I love the words. I actually use the three P's in my work, which is play, presence, and practice. Oh, there and you go. For me, yeah. for me, that combination is just a super, uh, a super highway to really being present with yourself, your voice, your inner, outer, being able to play and be free and let go of judgment. We judge our voice a lot. Um, oh you know, goodness, such totally. A, such an important thing um, for us to learn how to let go and just allow and be free and then um, practice because like anything in order to be good at it, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I say good at it in the sense of being able to have that healthy relationship with your voice, then you have to practice. You mm-hmm. don't wake up, you don't wake up one day, meet someone and say, oh, this relationship is perfect. You get to know each other. I mean, it might feel like that at the start. That's great. But you have to get to know each other. If you're thinking longevity, you have to know about these things. And just like we form um, unhealthy patterns in all areas mm-hmm. of life, we have to practice the healthy things to form a new, more powerful and empowering ones. Pathways. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's And I think, as you say, it's like the minute we think, oh, this is perfect. I swear to God, every time I, I, you know, with, with my, my own life, and such of clients, I was like, it's not that you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, but it's like, this is perfect at that moment. And things, they shift. There's always ebb and flow. There's always, just like you're saying, when you genuinely and authentically mm-hmm. want to get to know somebody, there will be things that are uncomfortable. 
there will be things that are challenging. Otherwise, it's not authentic. Yeah. And so how do we all work through that uh, mm-hmm. and still stay, as you were saying, in that, revol- I love that, that revolving door of like checking in with yourself and then how you stay in that conversation and then coming back mm-hmm. to yourself. And so that awareness and mindfulness practice is like a lifelong journey. I think. It is. But it it's is. definitely, it's worth, it's worth traveling for sure. Yeah, <laughs> it is. And, you know, most of the growth happens outside the comfort zone. So let's embrace totally. it in the ways that we can. Um, I do want to ask, actually, because you used the word conversation just now. And I, I know that we, again, we're in different fields somewhat, but we still have mm-hmm. some parallels. And that is, in your work, you help people to navigate those difficult conversations. And yeah. I think you talk about it mindfully and gracefully, which to me are beautiful words. Can you speak about that? Like, how do you help people do that? Um, I certainly wish I knew you like 20 years ago when I was having <laughs> to have those difficult conversations. But yes, tell me about it. <laughs> you know, the the part about the difficult conversations, as you brought up, is that I think innately majority of us are uncomfortable and try to, you know, at the beginning, for sure, avoid that discomfort of having knowing, OK, it's going to be a difficult conversation. I really don't. I definitely was a person who did not like confrontation or conflict. I definitely was conflict avoidant. And sometimes at the moment I could see it now, particularly I think it's harder for me. It's much easier in work settings, actually, for me. It's always been much easier in work settings because, again, I held a role at that time. You know, as an HR director, it's like I always am having difficult conversations. (laughs) Yeah. But in personal relationships, back to that authenticity and Mm -hmm. when we perceive there's more at stake, right? So we perceive it's a much more vulnerable state um, or we think there's a lot more to lose. Then we tend to, as humans, we just be like, I don't want to change that environment. So in terms of difficult conversations, when I work, I mean, there are examples, but there's actually steps. Like I give about five steps uh, Mm -hmm. about that. And for me, the, the basis of a difficult conversation is that you know, if you're bringing it forward, if you're the one bringing it forward, you know you have an awareness that it's yeah. most likely going to be a difficult conversation. And it's a conversation, just like what you were saying. So if yeah. you're going into it to listen and understand the other person mm-hmm. and not necessarily get your point across, mm-hmm. then in my experience, it's a conversation and it's a lot, just like we said, it's a lot more graceful. Yeah. Unless it's a decision-making difficult conversation that there's kind of like another kind of step. It's like you will have to make a decision at the end and there's ways to come to it. But if you're, if it's not, and I remind actually my clients always and sometimes to myself, any conversation you can always say at the end, let me think about it yeah. and get back to you. You got to tell the person when you're going to get back to them by just so they're not floating and worrying and all of that stuff and all of their stories pop up. But you don't have to kind of corner yourself and close that revolving door. Yeah, you know? exactly. Lock. Like I have to like <laughs> really get my point across. Or So the minute you're attached to how that conversation is going to go, mm-hmm. it's not a conversation, first of all. Yeah. And then... It is difficult, but sure, you could just put your point across and it's and it's done. But for yeah. me, it's always, can you listen 
to the other person and understand. You might disagree. I'm not asking you to agree, disagree. Like you still have your opinion. But can you listen to what that person is trying to tell you? And can you understand? And that's where empathy comes in. And that's where the emotional intelligence comes in. And then depending on the conversation, I always give tools or kind of steps in terms of if it's a leader speaking to, you know, to to their team member and there are things that need to become kind of delivered across, there is a way to do it intentionally and gracefully and with kindness. Mm. And that's another piece for me is difficult conversations. The big part of it is having them. You have to have them. Nothing happens because otherwise it snowballs all the time. Mm. So the first point that you brought up too is the courage. However, we use our voice or our thoughts, how we put all together. It all requires courage, but you Mm -hmm. have to start of having that conversation and, and having an intention. So I think I start, there's different points, but again, um, I always remind uh, my clients and myself when I was there, like I actually put a note on my laptop, which I was laughing because Russian is my first language. I can put in Russian. People don't know what I wrote there, but I (laughs) always wrote for myself, like the intention for that conversation, like what is my intention coming into that conversation? Like a one word, you know, a lot of times it's connection or sometimes it was, you know, kind of like getting information to the person or listening. And I literally would write it for me. So then in the moments when my brain is hijacking into some story or something, you know, the door is, I'm out of the door kind of thing. I'm like, I just want this over. Um, yeah. I remember that. And the second thing I always um, remind everybody is to slow down. Mm-hmm. Because it's uncomfortable conversations, we tend to rush because we just want it over because it's uncomfortable. So I want that mm-hmm. feeling to end. I want this done. Yes. And so I always also put down for myself in other language, slow down, Beautiful. slow down. Mm-hmm. And so those are the parts is doing them. That's the first thing. They won't get, they're not going to get easier or better if you don't do them. Yes. And think of what is the intention that you're coming into that conversation. And most likely I would suggest and encourage you to listen for mm-hmm. understanding and yeah. not listening to respond or not yeah. listening to react, you know what yeah. I mean? And like give mm. your point across. And then there's there's difficult conversations where you have to get certain things across and the decision has been made and you have to deliver it and you deliver it. But again, you come back from, you come from an, empathetic space to try to imagine how that person might feel yeah not taking it on not enabling not taking it for, you know over for them but just presence it's that back to presence one of your three p's mm. it's the presence presence yeah. comes with space you have mm-hmm. to allow space for those conversations yeah. and so those are the the pieces that are important to me yeah That is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that, Tatiana. There's so many nuggets in there, and I really resonate a lot with what you've shared. I want to reflect back to you some of it, Mm -hmm. because in a way for me, you've kind of spoken a a formula, if you like, you know, the kind of things, as you said, there are five steps to do it. But one one piece that really stands out for me that was key for me, and I I use it in my work a lot, is the um, not being attached to the outcome. Because that piece for me, when you're attached to the outcome, you think you have control over what somebody else 
either feels, reacts, responds or whatever. And that is not true. You only have responsibility for how you show up to the conversation, how you respond and react to the the in you know the exchange um that's going mm-hmm. on in that in that conversation and when we can relinquish the responsibility for the other person's response reaction and all of that because of the intention that we set yeah right then then we're we're okay with how it lands it doesn't have to always be oh i, I completely understand everything's great we're fine resolved sometimes it isn't that and you have to be okay with that within yourself. You brought up emotional mm-hmm. intelligence. You spoke about presence and space, that pause, slowing down. Yeah. The slowing down piece was something that took me a while um, to learn. Um, and then interestingly, I had to reflect and go, sometimes I actually need to shoot from the hip. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because in my personal experience, I was the one to pull away and be silent. And work, try yeah. to work it all out inside myself to avoid the confrontation, right? If I can just work all this stuff out myself, I don't even need to bring it to the person. Um, but some all done, <laughs> yeah. Thanks. And to be tr- to be honest, a lot of the time I was able to do that because it was mine to begin with, yeah. right? So that's the pause where you can go. This isn't this isn't their stuff. I'm I'm feeling this way. They're been the catalyst, but it's my stuff to work out. So I'm able to do that. But there are times when it's your—it's not your stuff only, and the other person um, has their own uh, responsibility in it. And you come together and speak about it. And those were the ones where I would think, okay, just say it, because otherwise you're just going to be really silent for a really long time. And then, like five minutes in, you might just start to get to the point, or or, or even ten minutes in. So I like that nuance. Um, the slowing down for me, peace was not external; it was internal. Mm, so I, I wanted see. to bring that to your awareness because I had to learn how to slow down inside. So I wasn't like weaving all these stories of what they're going to think, how they're going to respond. What if, what if, what if it's like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I am just expressing my authenticity, yeah. my my truth in how I feel in this moment or that moment. And if they want to receive it and hear it and understand it and be empathetic, great that would be awesome because that's what i'm here to offer so that yeah and if you 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 bring up actually a terrific point as you're saying like oh my your slowing down is in your mind with all this with all yeah. the um with all the sentences and you're trying to have your own conversation and that's actually something to as i work with the client i know the client more but like for example i am an extroverted thinker so i actually yes. think out loud like the fastest like i go from right But if I'm working or if somebody is an introvert, the part of introverted nature is that what comes out of introvert's mouth, it's kind of like the final way. Mm -hmm. They've already thought about it from so many directions. And exactly. And it's like when I realized that, I mean, it was been a beautiful experience within my own like career where people, you know, kind of learning my style as a leader and then working with others. But you exactly, you got, mine was more of like, don't talk. Just don't, because I can talk. I can talk through things just fine. And yours is more of like, don't talk internally. And whatever comes out, you know, for example, you don't need to decide and make the the great decision or whatever, the clearing. The person actually might be helpful for the person to know, particularly in personal relationships, is that how you process information and where your mind goes and Mm -hmm. what stories you're creating 
where the person's like, that's not where we're going that hopefully can meet you. But another thing you brought up that I wanted to highlight is that whole like that control, the circles of control. And if Mm -hmm. people can look up, there's a visual and it's really, it's, it's, I mean, it doesn't surprise me because I was the person like, you know, the kind of work with it. But every time I work with somebody, they go, oh, that's it. Because is that you brought up? What Mm -hmm. in our own circle of control is just us? What we think, what we feel, how we behave. That's it, people. Like, that's it. (laughs) The rest is outside our circle control. But you brought a beautiful word of responsibility where a lot of people with that attachment and that like, oh, but I know better. So I can, you know, I can help them. It's like, no, no, no. That's not your responsibility. Neither you have any control over it. So it's like a double-sided thing when you said about the responsibility. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I think a lot of times um, people skip that part. And then they're just like, they can see that like politics might not be in the huge level of control. But in between that, there's a big spectrum of our loved ones and relationships and people we work with and all of that. And everybody's like, no, but this and that. I'm like, nope, that's outside of your circle. And yeah. our children, you know what I mean? That was my exactly. learning as a parent. It's like, I really want him to like understand this and do it this way. But I was like, well, he's his own person. He's got his own circle. I have yes, some influence. Indeed. But at the end of the day, uh, my son will make a decision that he makes, you know, and that's yeah. his decision. So, so and those, I think, those are very resonant. Yeah. Yeah. To bring full circle back to where you started the conversation as a parent as well, I feel the best I can do for my children is do it for me. Mm. Start start with me because most of the time children won't, won't do what you say. They'll do what you do. And they, you notice, do? they notice the example that you set for yourself, you know? And yeah. so even throughout my children's lives, some of the questions that they've asked me, I've, I'm really clear to say, well, this is what resonates for me or this is what's true for me. Yeah. Now, what do you think? Not yeah. this is what you need to believe because I believe it or this is the way to do it. Um, and I think that that has allowed them to do a few things, which is check in with themselves, go into that intuitive space mm-hmm. where there's so much information in the world right now with the Internet, social media. We know that all of this media stuff um, that how do you discern now what's true to you mm-hmm. and what's and what's truth? in general, because there's so much stuff out there coming at us. And that's that pause again. Yeah. And that check in again. And that spaciousness, which Back is to that. super important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love how you weave that all together. So I think one of the things that I wanted to mention, because you know that my expertise is around the voice. And one of the things that I find interesting is that you mentioned different contexts is that someone might feel like I can get up on stage and do a, you know, public speaking, mm-hmm. no problem. But put me in a room where I need to speak to my partner and tell them how I really feel yeah. about something. And that is really tough or vice versa, you know? Um, so one of the programs that I offer is helping women really to be, feel like they're being heard to speak up, especially about the things that truly, truly matter to them. But the one, the wonderful thing is, is that the weight of that dissolves the context because once you recognize how to tune into the frequency the powerful frequency of your voice Mm. then that reverberates into all contexts absolutely yeah no absolutely it's that and it's back to practice 
it's the presence and practice, you know what I mean? And there definitely there's some playfulness in that. But I I I love is exactly as I looked into the program that you're starting. It's that piece that I just recently, as I as I finished the program, there were several women there. That was the biggest thing for them, actually. One of the things was uh, in there because it was around confidence. And then the confidence piece was the public speaking. And it's not even just like you said, for somebody it could be staged, but for them, it was a board meeting. And it yeah. was like, you know, a leadership meeting where yeah. they and they're they're both introverted human beings. So it takes them time. They think about through the thing. And when the room, and I know the organization, and so when the room is at least half, there's some extroverts in there, just like very clear ones. They just go quick. And A, the voice besides everything else that you work with, it just gets, yeah. it just gets lost, right? And I said, you know, as we were working, my thing was with confidence and them as leaders is saying, notice your quieter people, always as a leader, pay attention who is quieter in the room because a lot yeah. of times those are actually the most paying attention people they mm-hmm. always have something to say they just not might not have the way yet or mm-hmm. the space it's back to the space because somebody else is occupying the space yeah and so with the voice but it was very um touching for me because as as female leaders it was the part of finding their own voice Yes. But then also being able to speak in what's perceived as a um, groups of importance mm-hmm. right? and kind of being on stage uh, mm-hmm. and not being able to and not freeze and just carry your message across is one of the biggest things that they're working with, you know. And so that's when I was looking at your um, new offer and it was like that is so needed and it's also as you were speaking, it reverberates to all areas of life because yeah. I don't really just like, yes, I work with leaders, but it's always everybody comes with a work kind of challenge. And it always goes to personal life because we are one whole yeah. person. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And so that's the part that was really, um, as I as I say often, I was like, yes, I actually have the individuals that were just speaking about that, how they were that's the part that they were it was a sticking point for them is they yeah they had a lot to and they had a lot to offer and so seeing that and me as a coach be like I really want you to speak up but as a leader and I worked with them before so as a leader I knew those people and I always would pick out in my meetings the quieter ones Mm -hmm. because they always have nuggets they just might not be delivering it yet or you know have the the courage Yes. Um, but yeah, so that's yeah. kind of I wanted to highlight again. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's it is very common um in group situations where whether we use introvert or extrovert, but certainly people who sometimes feel this is really hard to share in this moment. I, I have found there are a few reasons why that is. Um, one comes very much from the old conditioning that we mm-hmm. have all had in some shape or form. You know, children should be seen, not heard. Sit down and be quiet. Um, you know, it's better for you as a woman to be the quiet one Definitely in the room. Gender. Definitely we gender. Definitely gender. Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot of so many. We could list them, couldn't we, Tatiana? The amount of things that 
we've either heard or know of others who who've just been told that so often. I even, you know, in my background in music, I've had a lot of people as singers feeling like they can't sing because someone would say, okay, you go in the back. You're, you know, they, they're, they're diminished, their voice is diminished because they're not doing something in, in what is a, such a subjective thing. You're not doing it the way I want you to do it. So you go be quiet in the back. You don't take this part yeah. or whatever it might be. And so that's one thing that we often have. And then the other is judgment. And interestingly, you would think it is not, it's not just judgment in terms of, I think others are going to judge me, but it's how you judge yourself. That's the biggest one. Yeah. It's how you, it's the loudest a lot of times, (laughs) right? You know, and then it's like, what will people think? And all of these things. So for me, when I'm in States, in the past, and this is a lot of the work that I teach. So for women, for example, that you've just described, who are brilliant thinkers, have something, I mean, we all have something worthy and valid to share in some context, but in that context, they have the nuggets, but it feels hard to kind of share them. I think the the question that I would invite them to ask themselves is, what if whatever I shared in this moment was good enough? Mm -hmm. You know, because honestly, it, it's that first step of voicing. It's that first moment of expressing that allows us to, as we said, practice and go into a state where we can then just notice. And I noticed that myself um, over the years, being able to speak up more. And the more I started to speak up, yeah. and I'm going to go now to more of a sound healing side of things, where there is a particular frequency that's embedded in my resonance that is very carefully and consciously practiced. Mm -hmm. When I'm in that state where I'm really connected to my sound and I'm speaking from that place of authenticity, I, my intention, I would say in majority of my interactions, I have love involved. Any interaction, whether that's personal, professional, it doesn't matter to me. Love to me is something that we all want to feel Mm-hmm. that authentic piece that we all want to, to, to people really want to have and feel. And so to me, if you're able to um, embody that frequency verbally in your tone, then something is offered. Yeah. And often, more often than not in that state received. So what if what I wanted to share about this was good enough? And I am feeling so connected to my sound that there's an embodiment of this frequency of, we can call it values if you like, if I, but love is a huge value of mine, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. that you can infuse that with, with those intentions. It will land differently. may not it, land the way you want it to, but it will land differently than if you either not, you know, stay quiet or just, you know, throw things out without a conscious awareness. You're speaking exactly like that's exactly the words uh, that I worked with. There was a group coaching um, uh, practice. And that was exactly one of the things that I worked with them was the good enough. It's like, what's 70% of what you think you can deliver? And that's as you were speaking from the judgment place. A lot of times those people are definitely like the high achievers that are, you know, deemed or like the perfectionists. There's all of those limiting beliefs that you know we would call them they just prevent them from that what's what's good enough to just share yeah. your voice and have your perspective it's important and it might be reperceived it might be received it might not be 
but yes. as they practice to do this and they is you and i remember as i'm hearing my own voice kind of speaking sure i can read the room sure i can make the stories but it's back to that practicing thing mm-hmm. um and actually as we were speaking i had a question for you is that what as you you know you you um work with various topics but all around voice but what made you choose this topic uh, right now, like what kind of popped up for you that this was such a kind of urgent and important topic yeah. at the moment? Yeah. Well, I think it's, that's a really good question. And the answer is actually pretty simple. I This was my personal journey. Hmm. And I, I have the best um, brainstorming and accountability partner in my brother. And we have these amazing conversations while we're both traveling and we sat together one day um, we were just talking and he was actually expressing um, the amount of women that he's come across in his field in the corporate setting who feel exactly the same as some of your clients, which is like yep. they they have so much to share. There's so much there, but it, it's hard to speak up. It's hard to feel heard, um, especially in the corporate setting. If it's a male dominated setting, which mm-hmm. for a lot of women, it might be, especially at a higher level, higher level. In, 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 the, in the corporate side of things. So I, I, as he spoke about it and we kind of brainstormed, this just came up quite um, relaxed. Naturally. And, you know, naturally. Yeah. And, and when it happened, though, I had such a visceral response in my body. I trust my intuition implicitly. And when that dropped, I was like, yes. And then oh. when I reflected back to my brother, interestingly, and I know he knows, but he didn't think about it in that moment. This was my journey mm. from not speaking up, feeling like I need to be quiet in certain situations. Yeah, I can sing on stage. No problem. Get me to perform in front of thousands of people. I had no issues doing that. Stand in front of a class, teach, sure. But come home and talk to some, my partners about things that matter to me. Mm-hmm. There was some, there was that context felt hard. And I was like, why is there so much dissonance? If on one side I'm able to, and then I'm not on the other, what's, what's going on. So I did that journey. That was my journey. So the passion for me is women deserve to be heard. Hmm. We, we deserve to be, have our voices celebrated not quieting and hushed and all of that. I mean, everyone does, but this particular program, which I'm focusing um, Mm -hmm. on actually for the first time in in my work, I'm focusing in a particular area with women because all of my work is, um, it's not gender-based. It doesn't matter. You know, you you can come in and get sound healing and take all of the things that are on offer. But I wanted to work with women because it felt like I went through that personal journey for a big part of my life and if if anything that I can teach women now, which I know is so important in the world right now, to be able to speak up and own their voice and understand that their voice has a place. There's a place of imperfect to be influential, to be inspirational. And even if it starts as a whisper, Tatiana, that mm-hmm. whisper is embedded with so much that that's what I want to encourage women to do from silent to whisper to, to to resonance to speaking up to reverberating with power wherever you are on that scale yeah doesn't matter the point it is me. Mm. it's so important and I know you I know you know what I'm talking about 
But absolutely, because as I can, it totally resonates with me on on several levels. One is I also had that journey. So it's like, as I read, as we talked about it as well, I was like, oh, this, I can, I can read through all of this and I can experience through all of this. But I think one big word for me that you mentioned earlier is celebrated. Mm. We don't, I, I, it's actually, there's sure the it's the ownership, it's the courage, it's the speaking up, all of those. And we speak, I think, more about it yes. um, than the part of the celebration. Yeah. And um, yeah, so that to me, like that just right, right away is that they brought such a sense of calm joy of like, oh, mm-hmm. I never thought like that's actually something that I would probably adapt. And if a client of mine, even if it comes up, that would be a thing that I would carry forward is that, no, I want you, me to celebrate, but also them to celebrate yeah. their voice. Yeah. Um, and, and come from that place versus proving something to somebody or even themselves. And, you know, there's different angles and every yeah. person I think has angles that resonate with them because of their journey. Yes. But I think from a teaching perspective too, is that back to authenticity mm-hmm. is that when we've had experience, at least I can speak when I've had experiences myself, and then I am sharing that uh, with the audience or the clients. It is such an off, like a very authentic and very connected experience um, and resonance, as you're using that word, as yeah. opposed to just you know read or heard or in any way. So yeah, that the you your those attending the workshop will benefit immensely because it's just yeah. you. It, it's coming from a different space. Thank you. Thanks for reflecting that. And I think, I mean, this is what I love about these conversations, you know, mm. for everyone listening, they can, even if they're not quite sure how, they can feel the authentic yeah. um, sharing here. They can feel the love, you know, it's it's really just being um, okay with yourself, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and being, and then that's reflected in being feeling okay being yourself in front of someone else being themselves yeah and that good enough piece I think for me is also just such a a big piece of uh just yeah just coming from that place Mm -hmm. yeah that's beautiful well I'm going to ask you a question that's very random not about your work my work but what sound do you love Tatiana what sound what sound do I love um, I think lately, uh, my favorite is, it's actually after I think a session with you, but there was like this, mm, like a deep mm sound that kind of reverberates. Like, and I do it, um, sometimes in my mindful uh, meditations or at the end, in the beginning that this sound that kind of reverberates through my body, but particularly through my face. Mm. um and it, it, it's like what you're saying right now actually it's like mm, that's the sound yes okay well but, but, for the rest of the day exactly <laughs> exactly it's the, mm, but it. if I'm doing it myself yeah because to me it's the sound of like listening to somebody mm. and resonating with them just like exactly what you're doing but it's also like mm, 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 like when something is yummy and tasty and just in all 
whether it's an experience or a tasty, like something, you know, like a dark piece of really good dark chocolate, I'll make that sound. So yeah. I think that mm, sound comes in, in different qualities for me yeah. and from others is that it's a, that revolving door mm-hmm. that you described as, as when speaking with somebody or connecting that's feedback for me, but also if I'm checking in with myself and making that sound to myself, then I can kind of, I can feel more of a somatic person. So I can, can feel my body and it's going through it. So I was like, I find it really cool that I can make a sound and I can feel it, you know, through my body. Cause I really love um, with the tuning fork, when the tuning yeah. fork is touching my body, I love that sensation. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I'm just like, Oh, I can feel it. And so yeah. When I realized that, oh, I can do it like with a certain with a certain frequency and a certain kind of combination of, a, you know, letters of sound. So that's that's, awesome. that's my favorite lately. That's lovely. It's funny because this year with the Happy New Year and Happy New Year to everyone, uh, a lot of what I've been wishing everyone for the year ahead is more sounds of joy and laughter and pleasure. And that mm, perfect, Mm -hmm. yeah, that chocolate, Mm -hmm. that whatever, you know. So I get it. Yes, more of that, more of that. Well, look, I, I'm so grateful to you, Tatiana. You are an inspiration. You are doing such needed work in the world right now to help leaders to bring themselves into their highest potential and allow themselves to, I will go, I will say, be a beacon of light for their employees, their colleagues, their families. And it's so needed, that inside out approach. So I just celebrate you and the work that you're doing in the world. And thank you for sharing all of your yumminess here today (laughs) on the podcast. We're so grateful. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for the time and the conversation. And I think I I personally really enjoyed the conversation as it flowed. So thank you. Me too. I like to ask my guests one final question, and that is, what is your soulful sound to the world, which is a self-prayer or desire that you wish upon the world? have two so one is just take a small step that's been overall but also the the prayer or desire is coming from the peace and love space that peacefulness within ourselves and as you were you were speaking about love is that coming from that frequency and that intention to whatever we put out in the world is inadvertently that will reverberate and that would be reflected. And so remembering those two couple of things is that peacefulness and love, and then just don't be afraid to take just a small step. Oh, aho. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks again. And I'll make sure to put all of your links and all of your details for our guests. And uh, hopefully we'll see you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to share it with your friends and remember to subscribe. From my heart to yours, sending you love, healing, and sound wherever you are.